This is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. <laughs> Yo, what's up? It's your boy M.A., a.k.a. The Love Ambassador, coming to you straight, live and direct from the Jungle Studios. Ah, uh, so, uh, I guess we're going to have to uh, get a little bit involved on this. So, uh, let's, uh, let's do the Sunday Blues series. Woo-hoo! You gotta get off to make it good. The way I make my guitar sing, just like my woman should. Never talk back to me like some women do. I feel so sad and lost, but I'm plenty slow down to What you just heard there was the one and only Freddie King, a.k.a. the Texas Cannonball. And I've got to admit, I'm a very, very big fan of his. The reason being is um, he just really mixes that awesome Chicago soul sound with just that adrenaline and grit and fire of the Texan gunslingers. I mean, he's, you know, he, you sort of really feel like when he's coming to you, he's like a, a bit of an Apache. And that's what I feel like when I listen to the song, I'm Tall Down. And before we get into a little bit more about him, well, fuck it, let's do a little bit more. What? <laughs> a good introduction to his style of music check it out on spotify and uh yeah like i said last week we did lightning hopkins let's learn a bit about freddie king shall we freddie king was born on september 3rd 1934 and he died on december 28th 1976 obviously he was an american blues guitarist and singer he recorded several hits for federal records in the early 1960s um basically what he's known for as you've seen before is a soulful and powerful voice and a distinctive guitar style um which uh, many musicians got inspired for uh probably for the older cats would remember eric clapton being one of them he got into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2012. king based his guitar style on the texas blues and chicago blues influences his best known recordings are Early Instrumentals, Hideaway, San Jose, The Stumble. The album Freddie King Sings showcased his singing talents included with the record chart hits You've Got a Lover with a Feeling, I'm Tall Down, which you just heard, 
and he later became involved with more rhythm and blues and rock-oriented producers and was one of the first bluesmen to have a multiracial backing band at live performances. Yeah, he was basically like the United Nations when you look at it. Uh, his early life, according to his birth certificate, <laughs> which is a good start, don't you reckon? He was named Fred King and his parents were Ellen May King and J.T. Christian. When he was six years old, his mother and his uncle began teaching him to play the guitar. Thank God for that. In autumn 1949, he and his family moved from Dallas to the south side of Chicago. The quick little detour of that, it was part of one of the biggest migrations uh, that was seen in recent history was... Um, both poor whites and uh, well, heavily oppressed African Americans under the Jim Crow laws were trying to escape the South, um, which was literally segregated, like similar to like apartheid was, or very pretty much the same. So a lot of people headed up north because during then in Chicago there was steel mills and cars and manufacturing and you know just. Uh, to try their very best to escape the oppression, uh, which I think sort of followed them everywhere, but uh, at least it was the, a little bit better and more work available. In 1952, King started working in a steel mill. In the same year, he married another Texas native, Jesse Burnett, and they had seven children. Um, how he got about to recording was he was basically, the rumour had it, he was opening up a store, he got discovered, um, and he eventually signed with the... Federal Records, or LB Records, but you know what it's like. Um, how he cut his teeth was kind of a bit more interesting because at the time, uh, Chicago, before it became like one of the murder capitals of the world, had a thriving south, scene, south side scene in the nightclubs. In particular, this is a lot of the blues musicians sort of honed their skills. Um, if you look at it, they were sort of popular around sort of 40s, 50s, by sort of the mid-50s, they're sort of going a little bit down in the popularity, uh, and it's until the locks of the Rolling Stones or whatever rekindle more of a mainstream interest that these musicians start to take off again in the 60s and 70s. Uh, as he was sort of doing the rounds, he sort of came along people like Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, T-Bone Walker, Elmore James, Sonny Boy Williamson, Sonny Boy Williamson too, I would have guessed, uh, Willie Dixon. Obviously, so I won't bore you down, but Hideaway was one of his main hits that he came out with. A number five on the R&B chart and number 29 on the pop charts itself was kind of unheard of for blues musicians to do that. Uh, he, he did move around from record label to record label um, with varied success. Uh, by 1969, King hired Jack Combs as manager who secured him an appearance at the 1969 Texas Pop Festival alongside Led Zeppelin. He went on to influence uh, and play alongside many people like Eric Clapton, Grand Funk Railroad, uh, and many more. Um, so then I guess we'll give a quick little demonstration on some other styles of music that he was playing. Um, what I want to do is just show how it wasn't just always so hardcore and heavy. Um, here's She's a Burglar, and it's a bit more of a low-key uh, low sort of affair. Look into my 
an example of when he was uh, laying it down a little bit. His style uh, was obviously influenced by uh, not only being coming over from Texas, but he combined it with a Chicago version. A lot of these dudes were playing acoustic down in the south, and when they came up north, it got uh, an electric vamp to it. So King had an initial style, creating different guitar parts with vocal nuances. He achieved this by using the open string associated with Texas blues and the raw screaming tones of the West Side Chicago blues. He combined both of them and gave him pretty much a unique style. For the guitar heads out there in his early career, he played a solid bolody gold top Gibson Les Paul with P90 pickups. He later played several slimline semi-hollow body Gibson electronics. He was known as actually the Three Kings uh, because there was B.B. King, Albert King and Freddie King. No related, but who really knows? Uh, and that's one of the reasons why Chicago, the main um, the main groups of chess records, saw him too similar to BB King, and initially it played a little bit of a hard thing for him. Uh, he received recognition down the track in 1993. September 3rd is now known as Freddie King's Day, um, and he went on to yeah influence a lot of people, like I said. Um, how he passed away at such a young age, many might ask. Basically, he did a lot of tours on the road. Um, he was nearly constantly touring. And he was on the road 300 days a year. In 1976, he began suffering from stomach ulcers. His health quickly deteriorated and he died on December 28th of complications of the illness and acute pancreatitis at the age of 42. According to those who knew him, King's untimely death was due to stress. A legendary hard-parting lifestyle and a poor diet. I'm fucked. Uh, he was in the habit of consuming Bloody Marys rather than solid food so as not to waste time when setting up shows. So, like I said, he did quite a decent body of work and he left us with uh, many memorable moments. Um, he's really one of the... He's really one of the, the, the musicians that... I mean, look, I'll be honest, I'm, at, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to do some stuff and I'm having just an unbelievably shit time and, and I've been finding it hard to get out of bed and just really, you know, just one time in my life I've been super down and um, I got through the day not by the, not necessarily by the boxing match but by good old Freddie King and um, even if a couple of people listen to this podcast and it's just to share my love for it then... You know, fuck it. <laughs> I've done a pretty good job. Now, um, of course, trying to pick the right someone to go out with is never particularly easy. Um, but let us have a quick look. Alrighty, bear with me one moment because I do not do any, any editing on this. It's called Dust the Broom. And we're going to uh, probably lead in when we get to Elmore James a little bit on Dust My Broom as well and Robert Johnson. But anyway, let's see it out. This is another recording one time by the one and only Mr. Elmore James. Uh...
I'm gonna get up in the morning. 